Duper, duty, tough, work. What the fuck? What up? What up? What up? What up? Hey, man. Good to be here. It is. It's a couple weeks off. Mm-hmm. Your man was on vacation. Yeah, enjoying yourself. Yeah, I didn't. We didn't plan to take no weeks off, but uh, my weekend, my vacation was two weekends in a whole week. Mm-hmm. You know how you be trying to, yeah, get them extra days. Yeah. So I pulled one of those and uh, we record on Saturday. So we've been off for a couple of weeks, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean we don't have fresh topics. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? We, we keep, we keep something in the tuck. All y'all. That's what we do. Yeah. Those of you watching the video version of the show will notice two different things about it. Mm-hmm. The first is a logic. It looks like he's somewhere completely different. Yeah because he moved yes that's one of his uh 90 day challenge goals yeah you know he's, he's got this it looks a little little cleaner the background is visible now it's not like yeah yeah dark i got a window yo i got oh, a window shit. natural light natural light up oh, in this shit. piece <laughs> nice nice let's go let's go you know you know so his looks a little different mine looks a little different because my real camera does not work today so use my backup camera this has been a frustrating weekend, which I talked to Logic about on, online, which is a whole episode in and of itself. Mm-hmm. Kind of like kind of like that winter storm episode I did, you know. Yeah. I probably should have told it in my wise guy voice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you should we should uh you should release that in a um in a separate little, yeah. little episode. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna do that. You know, and uh but we here. And this week, you know, we got a topic. We've been talking about music lately. Mm-hmm. Since we've been back on the music tip, and uh, oh, we should also check in. You know, we did touch on your ninety day challenge. Mm-hmm. Got that one going. Yeah. Um, your music is done. Was music it your artwork? Done. Your album cover? Was that one? No, nah, it was the uh, listening party. Listening party. That schedule, right? Listening party scheduled. Flyers done. I will be um, starting to promote for that really soon. Let's fucking uh, go. Listening party. I mean, shoot, y'all, y'all hear it first here at Super Duty. Let's you fucking know, go. Let's fucking September 30th. You know what I mean? See? Listening party at Adela's on Oak. You know Let's what I mean? go. Let's go. Is it, what day Friday. is that on? Is that a Saturday? It's a Friday. Friday. It's a Friday. Friday okay. Eve. Okay. I might have to hustle to get back, but I'll do my best. Friday Eve, 8 o'clock. Okay. So it's going to, yeah. Let's fucking go. Yeah. So, I, I, that, I still ain't, um, I, st- I, I ain't been to the gym. Since, you ain't found uh, a gym? <laughs> <laughs> like, I, for some reason, my GPS, the way that my GPS is working. <laughs> <laughs> can I find that motherfucker like I, yeah. I just can't find it like dog like it's so bad like I was talking to Tay the other day like yeah. I might just cancel my membership like it's, it's that bad that's yeah, bad it's that, it's that bad Damn to bad. where like I'm you know especially now I got the new crib I got a little more space like yeah. I might just start working out at the crib you know yeah. what I'm saying at least you know I then I don't have to drive nowhere you know then I really don't have an excuse yeah, you know, yeah. I can just walk down in the basement and you know do some setups or something. You know what I mean? Yeah, get a little corner where you can yeah. just do stuff like that. You know? Yeah, I do that stuff upstairs sometimes. I mean, you know, I got to wear a room, but before I was doing that, even when I have that, I I just bought like a little yoga mat, mm-hmm. and um, I'll keep it in my living room so that when I didn't feel like going down there and I wanted to do some push ups upstairs or something, I'd have something soft to kind of push up sit up yeah. routine. Nah, that, that's that's smart. I, I did find my push ups though this week. Oh, you found them? I found them, man. I don't know where the motherfuckers was at, but I, I was like, oh, there you been. <laughs> you know, I've been, I've been doing my hundred a day. So, you know, this week, that's been good. Okay. Um, music every day. Cracking. Cracking, cracking, cracking. Crackin'. You know, I send you stuff sometimes. I've been, uh, I've been deep in my bag, starting to get into the vibe of it. Yeah. yeah, now that I got the studio set up, I'm about to be, you know, I'm about to chop a couple of them joints up. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'll yeah. send you some stuff, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been uh, working on my compositions and uh, getting better every day and just learning. And, and uh, it's, it's wild how, like, just taking a break from music, I'm hearing shit differently now. Right. Certain shit clicks now that it wasn't exactly clicking before. And so yeah. uh, I'm kind of glad I did take a break come back because certain shit is, is much easier right now but you know we still going we still going i think we got about another month 
to go yeah. into and September. And you took your vacation. So, like, you really did. <laughs> oh, have, shit. You, I forgot did. I had the vacation on there. Yeah. Yeah. Ah. Your man's is on it. <laughs> yeah, we, we kind of doing our thing. You know what I mean? A little bit. All I got to do is stay consistent on these push-ups for the next month. Yeah, and I got to start working out some, yeah. in some capacity. Dude, that's, here's what I figured out on the push-ups, why it was making me, I couldn't knock them out. I was taking too fucking long. My routine was too long. Mm. And this sounds basic as hell, but what I would do, and why I kept falling off is like, I would try to do sets of 25. You know, let me just do four sets of 25, take a break in between each one, let my arms recharge a little bit. Now what I do is the first set, I go until my muscles exhaust. Yeah. Sometimes that'd be like 60 joints. Right, right, right. But what it what it allows me to do now is like, I'll be done in five minutes. Right. Because I'll do right. like 50 or 60 the first set, then I'll do 15. Then I'll do like 10. Then I'll do five, then I'll do 10. And I'm done. It's like I just go all the way down, less and less. But mm. the way I do it is like it's fast. I'm like, oh, I can do this whole shit in less than five minutes. Right. And fuck this. I'm doing this every day now. So that part is is cracking. So today's topic. Your boys is back. We're gonna talk about computers and uh how to stop computers from ruining music. Yeah. Computers are out there. They are a beautiful tool for doing music. We can all admit that. We all use them. We've been on it since the beginning. Uh, none of us are like, you know, virtuoso instrument players. We're hip hop right. producers. And so technology has always been a part of it. But there's an article that kind of sparked me to uh, want to talk about this. It's from Kraftwerk's drummer. And he's talking about how music and technology ruined his experience within Kraftwerk. Mm. And so we're going to talk about that. And then we're going to talk about uh, how to avoid and how to stop uh, computers from ruining your music. Um, it's very simple things. You know, it's a, long, it's a lot of bullet points. Uh, and maybe we owe them to y'all because we've been gone for two weeks. Right. So uh, we got 12 joints, I think. 12 joints. Yeah. 12 joints in the chamber. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? And so uh, we'll take a break. and We'll be right back. We got you stuck off the realness, the most infamous, you heard of us, official podcast murderers, the show comes equipped with few points to share, grown man ideas for all those who care and want to grow, so go ahead and download, every single week with a brand new episode, you're not alone in this world cousin, so we share information and honest discussion, and keep repping the culture, like we supposed to, they spread gossip but they never come close to, I can hear it inside their tone, they talk about the industry but never left their home you get laced up with bullet points and such plus empowering topics that they never would touch you can put your whole network against the team but super duty tough works the mvp most valuable podcast on mp3 priceless info but all of it's free huh. so take these words home and think them through super duty tough work is coming at you now listening to Super Duty Tough Work with your host, Blueprint, raw and uncut, adult conversations, no shucking, no jiving, and no bullshit. Alright folks, Super Duty Tough Work, back. This article going to read today is titled Kraftwerk's Carl Bartow says that the legendary band stopped being creative because we were because we were solving problems subtitle is I loved being a man machine but we just lost the man man machine obviously one of the titles of their you know, landmark albums Kraftwerk mm -hmm. you know pioneering electronic group out of Germany exactly uh, this article's from musictech.com. And I'm going to read it. It goes as such. Kraftwerk drummer Carl Bartos has spoken out about how the rise of digital technology amounted in a whole host of problems for the band who represented a new age of futuristic technology. In an interview with The Guardian, the musician and producer reflected on the problems that started to arise in the band when the computer arrived in the studio while creating their 1986 album, Electric Cafe, which was Bartos' last record with the band before his departure in 1990. 
A computer has nothing to do with creativity. It's just a tool. But we outsource creativity to the computer, he says. We forgot about the center of what we were. We lost our physical feeling. No longer looking each other in the eye. Only staring at the monitor. At the time, I thought innovation and progress were synonyms. I can't be so sure anymore. Despite the band having a tech-heavy focus, Bartos stressed that the era most people associate as peak craft work was produced by a largely analog band due to the limits of primitive technology, which were pushed to the limit by the band. Bartos highlights that these restrictions sparked innovation. While the endless opportunities that computers can provide musicians is a positive for many, Bartos notes that this unlimited potential was not beneficial for the band's musical processes. We stopped being creative because we were solving problems. He says, reflecting on Kraftwerk's legacy, Bartos says that he's disappointed with how the band continued to evolve. Society has turned into a conveyor belt, he says. You put resources, you turn it into a consumer product, you earn money and rubbish. This is what happened to Kraftwerk. They turned into the dehumanization of music. Mm. I loved being a man machine, Bartos concludes, but we just lost the man. End of the article. <clears throat> Pretty deep. What do you think? Um, I mean, I can I can completely agree. I think the coolest thing about um, production that I've learned in the process of doing this is I don't have to know the ins and outs of everything, and I don't have to know exactly how everything works because if I do, then I'll get into a mode of um laziness and not really trying to push envelopes you know if i understand exactly how this eq works then i won't try different things because i know what settings to put it on to get it where i need it to go you yes. know what i'm saying i think one of the things that has allowed me to become the producer that i am and i think a lot a lot of um, producers how they get their sound is the innovation of learning and using technology because if you if you're if you're an engineer and you're mixing someone's album that's different there's a different kind of you know process that has to go into that but making music yeah if you know everything then you won't really expand on any creativity a lot of times because yeah. you don't have you you know exactly how the ins and outs of everything you yeah. know what i'm saying so you have nothing to push you know, you know that there's unlimited sample time. You know that, you know, you can have as many tracks as you want. You know mm -hmm. that you can do all of these things. So you don't really push yourself to only have, you know, you think about um, back in the day using the SP. You know what I'm saying? Like what they have, like 10 12 seconds? seconds. 12 yeah. at the most. Yeah. yeah, 12 seconds of sample time. Yeah. And some of those classic records, you know what I'm saying? Yep. Now... You can sample a whole fucking song, yep. you know, and rap over it. You know what and, I'm saying? And, and, and still can't make it sound as good as those records still, they was making. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? So I think, you know, technology is great. And mm -hmm. like, you know, like we said, it's a great tool. But, you know, when you start leaning on it too much. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Then you lose something. There's a human element that's lost. And it becomes a lot more robotic. And a yeah. lot more, you know, um, a lot more, you know, just vanilla. I think. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's what he was really, really hitting at. And it's, yeah. I think it's really kind of deep that he's one of the guys that say that mm -hmm. because from the outside looking in, everyone has declared craft works like craft work to be like pioneers of electronic music. They are the pioneering group of electronic music. Yeah. Um, all got, technology. Oh yeah. You know all technology music. Yeah. They're right. They're the guys, you know what mm -hmm. I mean? And when you look back now, it gives you a different feel for those records based on what he's saying, because now right. you got to think about what was behind it and the process that they went through. And he's not romanticizing it anymore. Right. Which kind of chips away at what people may think about them. But I actually think it's dope. And that's why I wanted to talk about it. I'm like, I'm glad somebody like him said it. Right. Because if somebody uh, name a random person who's great on an instrument. Like a, right. a, a Stevie Wonder said it, right? Or maybe uh, like a Jimi Hendrix said it, 
or anybody who can play their ass off. Right. If they said it, it would come off as bitter. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, you're just mad because this shit is replacing you. Right. Right. But clearly him saying it is like, nah, we started this shit. And I'm telling you, there's something not right here. Yeah, we lost something in doing this. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, we kind of lost our edge a little bit mm-hmm. because, you know, we had this at our disposal and yeah. learned how to use it so well, you know, that it started to be a crutch as opposed to just a tool. Yep. Yep. And so uh, this week we're talking about how to stop computers from ruining music. We got like 12 bullet points. So we're going to just get started with this whole discussion. And uh, if you at home, you know, uh, hope you get something out of this discussion. And if you're a creator, whether it be uh, visual or music, anything, uh, this might apply to you because this ain't just a music discussion. So the number one way, and these are not in order of priority or anything like that, uh, to stop computers from ruining your music is to learn an instrument. Mm -hmm. And by that, you know, that could be a keyboard, that could be drums, that could be a horn. That can be your voice. Um, one thing I, I say is that the more I get into this composition space where I'm just making compositions that I hope to sample and have other people sample, the more I realize the importance of the years of fucking with a physical instrument. Mm-hmm. And I'll give you an example of that. Horn programming. Because I grew up playing horn in a church. I could play the trombone. I listen to the way I program horns and the way other people program horns completely differently. Mm -hmm. I can hear the wrong things that people do when they program horns. Right. Things that a horn player couldn't or wouldn't do. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't sound human. Right. right? And so same thing for playing keyboard. You know, anybody who's actually played a physical keyboard knows that there's certain things that your hands do there's this weird thing that some of it's right some of it's wrong but you can't play certain things all at the same time there's limitations there right and so when you get over to the technology side of it the way you program that instrument is going to be a reflection of the human side that you experienced and so learning an instrument matters it doesn't have to be like a big physical grand piano right a MIDI keyboard works. You know what I mean? It doesn't necessarily even have to be like a uh, a drum set. Mm-hmm. Finger drumming works. You learn a lot of the same principles uh, in finger drumming apply to a physical drum set. You right. know, you still have to learn hand independence and finger drumming is finger independence. So that one is not doing the other. Timing is still the same. Swing. Like a lot of these concepts are the same. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're using your physical body. I think that when you start with that side and then you go over to the technology side, the way that you program those instruments feels a lot more human in the computer's domain. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, I have, I have history with saxophone, you know, yeah. and understanding a little bit more of how certain instruments actually play yeah. and actually sound. And, you know, we're big jazz and um, heads, you know what I mean? Yep. So understanding how those records sound Yes. And with us sampling so much jazz and, you know, all of that, how we program certain things when we're playing our own, you know, instruments and our own VSTs and stuff. Yeah. That translates because we know that, you know, there's certain chords that don't actually exist yes. when you actually play. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Jazz music, especially sax dudes, they be doing some shit. Yeah. 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 So, you know, I, I completely agree with that. I think that has helped me as, you know, a producer understanding a little more about actual music you mm-hmm. know helps me make things sound a little more you know human and natural yeah yeah and so like i'm thinking like maybe like later this year or maybe next year like once i start like working a little less because i think i'm gonna start like, maybe taking like fridays off or whatever and just be doing music on those days mm-hmm. i'm seriously thinking about maybe like getting a, uh, a piano teacher yeah you know i'm saying i was like, hiring a one-on-one you know because even if it's just an hour every Friday right? with someone to kind of progress me down that path of getting a little bit more familiar on piano because mm-hmm. I'm hearing, I'm seeing what I can do now. And I'm like, wow, what if I really, really knew just a little bit more? Yeah. I could take it even further. 
in terms of just arrangements in my, my, my knowledge, but learning an instrument, like it doesn't, for those of you at home, you know, we want to make sure that this con this conversation doesn't like make people who, who make uh music on computers feel alienated. Like, like right. they're not making music. That's not what we're saying at all because our whole careers have been using technology. Right. The NPC, the ASR 10, they were just computers in the box. Right. You know what I mean? They didn't have big ass monitors and keyboards that we got now, but same concepts, mm -hmm. less processing power, less memory, but a computer nonetheless. Right. And those machines got us here. You know what I'm saying? So by no means am I like the guy to be like, oh, you got to play instruments. That ain't real music. No, nah, I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying that your ability uh, to program effectively on a, on a technology side mm -hmm. is impacted by your understanding of, human, of instruments on the human side. Yeah. And even like cats that just learn, you know, a little bit of music theory, you mm -hmm. know what I mean? Just understanding how notes work and how sound works. Yes. You know, gives you a better ability to create things, even when you're sampling. Yes. It gives you a better ability to create things, to make sure things are in key, to make sure that things move in a certain way that feel a lot more human and not a lot less robotic and, you know, technological. Yep. Yep. So that's number one. Number two way to stop computers from ruining music is to participate in jam sessions. Mm hmm. Now, this is something that I see that uh, producers are doing more and more and maybe just meet up and just playing things together, composing and just jamming out. You play the drums. I'll come a sample. This guy will play the bass line. Maybe somebody else will play keys. Maybe someone will sing over it. You know what I mean? Because mm -hmm. I was thinking about this other day. I was like, man, I've never done like a hip hop jam session. What the fuck instrument would I play? I can't play keys. I was like, oh, I will play my fucking voice. Yeah. I was like, that's my instrument. Mm -hmm. You know, I can fucking rhyme. I can ad lib. I can fucking sing. Yeah, it's like I can do all of that. It's like that's my voice. Yeah, so I could actually do that more, you know, and and that would kind of help me. You know, you're hearing things, you're, you're hearing hooks, you're just having fun, just making up stuff on the spot. Mm -hmm. It's what we all used to do with freestyle, and that's just a jam session. Yeah, basically for, for rappers, right? Yeah, but I think participating in jam sessions is something that you have to do because it gets you out of your fucking house mm -hmm. and gets you away from this fucking keyboard and around other people where you can't be so strategic about what you're creating all the time mm -hmm. and it turns your mind to think a little faster more in a moment which is more human you right. know we can sit down and we can program these notes to perfection you know on on the computers but that ain't gonna fuck with what motherfuckers would do live mm -hmm. you know and doing it in the moment on the spot and jam sessions kind of help you yeah, I learned a lot about a lot of this when I was touring with Idea. Yeah. Um, because one thing about Idea and Ability sets, you know, when they were doing them, they felt like jam sessions between him and Abilities. Yes. You know, and always at the end of every show, we would, you know, especially the first tour, we toured with uh, Los Nativos. Yeah. And, um, you know, they, you know, they have. Um, you have the bongo player. Uh, yeah, the, the, the drummer, yep. Yep. you know, and um, a few shows we had Carnage there. So he was beatboxing. Okay. And then abilities on the, on the um, you know, on the on the turntables. Mm -hmm. So like the end of the show, end of every show, we would do a jam session in freestyle. And we had a drummer. We had a beatboxer. We had a DJ. Yeah. And everybody was improvising and we was freestyling. And those sessions, like some of the illest stuff came out of those sessions and a lot of fun. And it really loosened us up for, you know, the following shows and got us actually a lot closer as a, you know, touring crew. So doing something with, you know, cats like that, just getting in a basement, somebody's studio. And, you know, even if everybody has, you know, nobody has an actual instrument, but everybody has, you know, somebody played the drums mm -hmm. you know, on their, you know, um, on their on their keyboard. Somebody, yes. you know, plays keys. Somebody has a sample that they chopped. You know what I'm saying? Have a yep. DJ do some cuts like. You can you can put those joints together and, mm -hmm. you know, really have some fun and you never know what comes out of them. You know yeah. what I'm saying? I agree. I agree. And it, it, like you like you said, it doesn't have to be. I play the keyboards. You're, you're a vocalist. Right. You, that's right. your instrument. At right. some less level, you should just take it there and, and uh, participate in some jam sessions, man. Yeah. That's number two. Number three thing, which I like to do quite a bit. Do all the time. <laughs> I do it all the time. The number three way to stop computers from ruining music is to leave the mistakes in there. Mm -hmm. So many records I have where there's a little tiny thing in there where I just mm -hmm. 
played it wrong or held a note too long on the baseline of where it was off key for a quick second when the chords changed. Mm-hmm. And I just left it in there. Yeah. L- little tiny notes. I'm like, that note kind of clashes a little bit. Yeah. I'm going to leave it in there. This sample ain't completely tuned properly. I'm leaving it in there. Mm-hmm. These mistakes are very similar to what you hear when you listen to real records. Right. You go down and listen to an older record. It's not fucking perfect. Because most of those are jam sessions. Keep yeah. it funky. One take. Yeah. <laughs> right. One take. They wasn't about to go back and re-record a perfect fucking eight minute song because of one motherfucker made a mistake on one chord. Right. Hey, you fucked up on that at the four minute mark. You played the mm-hmm. wrong chord. We got to do the whole shit. They wasn't doing that. Nah. <laughs> Leave the mistakes in there, man. Like, I think there's so many hip hop records where that shit happens. You know, you ever listen to an old record and it has like a almost like a jump edit mm-hmm. where the timing will just be wrong. Like, yeah. you'll be not like this. And then the shit just like yeah. you, it'll, something will happen. And it's like, oh, that's probably where they had to splice the tape. Something mm-hmm. happened. And they wanted to edit it, and they just they they did the best that they could, but it's still kind of fucked up. But mm-hmm. it don't piss me off, right? You know, there's times where like the snare will be on the on the two, and then that mistake will have the snare will be on the one. You'll be like, what the fuck just happened in the song? They didn't change, but yeah. they leave it in there. Yeah, makes it feel human, man. And it happens too with you know with MC. Sometimes they'll say a word wrong. Oh yeah, you know yeah. what I'm saying. It happens a lot. I mean, it's yes. bad records. You know what I'm saying that I've heard. Where, you know, because we study lyrics like that, like yep. we can tell like that was an accident, but they kept it. You <laughs> yep. know what I mean? Like they ain't yep. mean to do that. You yeah. Know? Yeah. That's so true. Because, like it just like, um, um, uh, I think it's, uh, uh, is it Warren G? I think what's yeah. next, what's next, what's in X E T spelled it wrong. <laughs> yeah. Yep, you know yep. what I'm saying? Because it still would have rhymed if he said in E X T. Yep. Yeah. You know what I mean? But they <laughs> left that in there. You yep. know, and it's one of those lines that everybody knows and everybody remembers. You know, yes, it's and, true. And I'm sure. I, I'm sure that was not purposefully done. No, no. Uh, I think K Solo spelled the word wronger too. Too, mm-hmm. and he was the guy. The, the MC, his pioneering thing was the guy who spells. Yeah, spell stuff. Yeah, yeah. And I think he spells the shit wrong. And I, gosh, I'm trying to think of what word. What one? He, he's definitely got one because my whole life I've been like, he you know, he spelled that shit. <laughs> <laughs> They just left it in there. It was like, nope, take is too hot. Leaving it yeah. in there. Yeah. Nobody cares, man. Yeah, I was like, some guy, but some people, though, here's the thing. Some people mistakenly think that, like, music is like math. Mm-hmm. Like, they, they try to be so fucking perfect. If you don't enunciate a word perfectly, yeah. or you do a take and it ain't exactly the cadence that they would do it. You know, then they start thinking like, yo, that's not right. Mm-hmm. That's not perfect. I need you to redo that. Mm-hmm. Can you go back in there and redo that? And I'm not that kind of guy. Like me neither. I'm kind of like, I realized that day, like music is like, it's like a, 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 a spiritual emotional. thing. Mm-hmm. Like I have a spiritual connection with music to where, yeah, I can do all the technology stuff. But at my best is when I'm just in the fucking moment. At our best is when it feels right. Yeah. It don't have to be perfect. It no. just feels right. It just feels like right. so many, so many songs that me and you have done. Yeah. My vocals ain't been perfect. I've mm. I mispronounced words. Yeah. You know, but the, the take is hot. It is yeah. like one word and you can kind of make it out. I never made you go back. <laughs> never. <laughs> unless i wanted to yeah unless you, know you wanted I mean? to like, yeah. nope that's good for me that's a great thing nope stay yep. yep it's staying mm-hmm. yeah there's some there's something that comes to you and here's what i think too i think some people have not done music enough with enough mm-hmm. repetition to where they start getting in the moment right to where they get in such a flow that they don't even know where the ideas are coming from Right. Like, you know, it is when you start really getting in your bag and you go back and listen to some shit you made when you was in that bag, you'd be like, how mm-hmm. the fuck I come up with that? Yep. Where that idea come from? Straight I don't up. even I don't even remember thinking about that. I don't even hear it like that today. Yeah. Where that pattern come from? That I was yeah. in. Where? Where that you cadence don't... come from? Dude, I think some people don't do music enough to get to that point. Mm-hmm. You don't naturally start at that point. 
Oh, no, no. You build up and build up and build up, and it just keeps going and going. It's just like freestyling. When you get mm-hmm. at your peak of freestyling, the sentences, the phrases, the words just come to you. Yep. You don't be sitting there thinking, okay, I got to find something that rhymes with cat. Okay, mm-hmm. cat, rat, stat, fat. Nah, this shit is just flowing. Bah, 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 yeah, bah, bah. It, just comes. it just comes. Music is like that. Lead the mistakes in. Get into the flow, and then you ain't got to worry about that shit. Word. That's number three. Number four. Number four thing. Uh, it kind of goes with number two I, a little bit jam sessions, but this is taking a step further. Number four tip uh, is to play in a band. Yeah, this is something that not everybody can do or will do, but we're gonna say it anyway because there are many artists who do play in bands. You mm-hmm. know, RJ plays in a band, I think, and he just just for fun. You know, what I mean, just mm-hmm. guys who just get together and jam out and they play. They may play live, they may not, but uh, playing with bands makes you think completely differently about music. Oh, completely. You know, and it makes you really kind of like, it's a democratic process. Mm-hmm. You know, whereas you do it by yourself, it's just you and a fucking computer obsessing yeah. about shit that most people don't give a fuck about. But if you have an opportunity to play in a band or to, to even just do a show with your guys who play in a band, hey, can I come jam with y'all? Uh, y'all got a show? I can play the samples. I can play this. I can play percussion yeah. on my drum machine. Do it. Yeah, I can just do ad libs. You yeah, know? ad libs, whatever. I'm a hype man. Let me get up there and flavor, flavor this shit. Whatever the fuck. Like yeah. playing in a band and being around those dudes, you can come up with some dope shit. Yeah, like back in the day, um, in my early times, I used to play um, with um, the Roots band, um, Roots Records. When yeah. They had, I forget the name of the band. Um, but I used to do shows with them and just yeah. be the MC and just, you know, they would jam and I'd just do random verses, be the hype man. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And it yep. was, it was fun. And it, it allowed me flex to, crew is the name. Of yeah. It. Flex crew. Yep. Yep. And it allowed me to, you know, be free. You know what I'm saying? And that, that helped me with my freestyle. Yeah. That helped me with my performance actually. Cause having that, you know, that backing and that freedom too was something that I never experienced just with a DJ. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it gave me a little something extra to pull from, you know, when I did just have a DJ and understand yeah. a little more about crowd control, understand a little more about even, you know, set, you know, um, set structure. Yes. You know, stuff like that. You know, the highs and lows of sets and all that. It, it definitely helped me out a lot. That's dope. That's dope. That's number four. We'll see. So we'll take a break and we'll be right back. Where? This is your weekly reminder that we have two books that you, as a listener or watcher of this podcast, need to absolutely own. The first is The 10 Traits of Successful Hip Hop Artists, and the second is The Social Media Cheat Code. Both of these books were released within the last year. The 10 Traits of Successful Hip Hop Artists is a book where I go through the stories and explain the traits that uh, are behind the success of some of the biggest names in hip hop today. Um, the book has got nothing but amazing feedback. And if you are an artist, business person, whatever you do, if you would like to be inspired and would like to learn more about hip hop along the way and also see some some reinforcement of the concepts that we talk about on this podcast, the 10 traits of successful hip hop is for you. Second book is the social media cheat code. That is for everyone who listens to this podcast who does not uh, consider themselves an expert or really good at social media. It's not for super experienced people. It's actually for people who are on social media, but are not getting the results you need. So what we did is I broke down like 12 or 13 strategies that I use all the time that actually work really well for me. I put it into book. I gave you examples and I tell you how to implement it. That's a book you absolutely need as a listener to this podcast, watcher this podcast. If you're on YouTube, supporting these books actually goes a long way towards supporting the podcast. So uh, to support the show, if you like what we do, obviously we don't necessarily get paid to do this shit. So support the products and services that we create. And these two books are a big part of that. We appreciate your support. And uh, back to the show. All right, folks, we're back. Super duty, tough work, blueprint, the logic. Today we're talking about how to stop computers ruining music. This is a, a real discussion. A lot of stuff, you know, happens all the time. Surprised we haven't talked about this before. Yeah. But uh perfect time. We got like seven more joints. Number five way is to customize your settings. This kind of should go without saying, but we know 
when you first start doing music on a computer, especially with these programs now, where there is Reason, Ableton, all these VSTs, they all have a default setting. Mm -hmm. And the default setting for many people ends up being the only setting they ever use. Mm -hmm. But as you go on, it's supposed to just be the starting point. Right. You're supposed to use these patches, these plugins, these settings as a starting place for your ideas and customize them to what you like, to what you're looking for. Mm -hmm. And the less you do that, the more computerized it sounds, the less human it sounds. Yeah. The more you start altering these things, making them your thing, making them unique, the, the more people don't know what the fuck you're making it with. Right. But if you just use it as is out the box, people can hear it. Yep. That's the blah, blah, blah. Mm hmm. And you don't really want that. You want people to be like, yo, that's just a dope piece of music. Yeah. What the fuck? Turning some knobs. Turn some knobs. Turn some knobs. Man. It's not going to break. They're not going to break. Nah, turn some knobs. <laughs> you know, I have a lot of my VSTs, <clears throat> even the ones that I use normally, like I have a lot of personal presets, you know, because yeah. I, I turn some knobs. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like I have a lot of, you know, some presets I use regularly, but that's helped me create my sound. Yeah. You know? Cause I, cause I have turned some knobs and saved those, you know, yeah, those knob turnings and customize a lot of the VSTs that I use regularly. Yeah, man. Yeah, it's very important, man. Because you know, it is. It's like there's people who sell presets of things too, mm -hmm. which is dope. But I think everybody, before you buy a preset of something for something you have, you should try it on your own. You know, like if you're gonna buy that preset, be like, you know what? Maybe I can make something like that. Right. Trying to see what happens. You might have a natural aptitude for it and didn't even know. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? You might fuck around and be like, oh, I'm actually really good at this. Now, I can sell presets because mm -hmm. I'm so good at it. But that's number five. Number six. And this is more about personal relationships with mm -hmm. the people you collaborate with. Number six is call before emailing. Look, back in the days, wasn't emailing no other musicians. No. You wasn't sending no beat packs you know what i'm saying your snail mail you know what i mean it was just in the studio it's work everything was in person now technology has allowed us to collaborate with people we don't even see live anywhere near right the problem is that sometimes the phone communication suffers yeah five minute phone conversations can save you hours of email communication and back and forth right relationships are not necessarily all built on email. Not the best relationships in the industry. The best ones are built from people you've met, people you've played with, people you've done shows with, people you maybe you went to this conference, you met somebody, you got mm -hmm. to put a, a face with a name. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Those are the best relationships to me. And that's why I say call before emailing. It's not just about email. It's really just be more personal in your communications with those that you communicate with in this shit. Yeah, even if you don't call before emailing, maybe you email and say, yo, can I give you a call so we can discuss this? Exactly. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. Like, there's a lot of cats that I've collaborated with that I've never met, but mm -hmm. I've had at least one or two phone conversations. Because in email, for one, you don't really understand context all the time. Yep. Because you're reading it, so you don't know exactly how they mean it sometimes, especially when you do concepts and you know, yeah. you're starting to talk about how somebody might want something mixed or something like that. Yeah. Like when you have a conversation with somebody, you can hear what they deem important a lot of times and how they say things. Yeah. You know, what they put emphasis on, certain things like that. And it gives you a better idea of who you're dealing with and the type of person you're dealing with. And sometimes it's better to just talk just so you know, you know, kind of have an idea of the type of person that you're in business with. Hello. You know what I'm saying? Because. Some cats might just be cool on email, and but if you talk to them, they're a complete dick. They're a complete asshole. They don't. They really have no idea what they're doing or talking about. You know what I'm saying? Like you can really see those things. People you know? in the back. People in the back. Uh, <laughs> hey, are you listening? To this? Hey, this thing on? I mean, it's cooking right now, man. Keep going. Yeah, like that's. I mean, you can really understand the type of people that you're working with because emails. Anybody can come off in an email professional. Yes. Because you can take time, you can rewrite, you can look stuff up. But if you mm -hmm. have a conversation with somebody, you really get a feel yeah. of the type of person you're dealing with, 
kind of, you know, what their knowledge base really is. Because if they can talk off the cuff about certain things. Yes. Then you're like, oh, this motherfucker know what he's doing. You yes. know what I'm saying? He know what he's talking about. I'm yes. definitely going to work with him. <laughs> you know it's what true. I'm saying? It's or true. you hear like, this motherfucker has no fucking idea. He guessing. Has no plan. You Mm-mm. know what I'm saying? <laughs> has no plan. Has no idea what's going on. You know, and then you can make certain decisions based on those conversations as well going forward. That's facts. That's facts. Well said. Well said. That's number six. Number seven to go right along with that. We touched on it, but meet your peers in public. Mm -hmm. No matter how much you collaborate with cats, you should be thinking at some point I should go meet up with them. Right. You know, technology allows us to never have to meet up. We don't have to go to shows to meet cats. Mm -hmm. We don't have to to do music with cats. We don't got to be on a scene no more. Like we came up during the transition. Mm -hmm. The internet was new when we started doing music. So our music was on the internet, but we were from an era where you had to be present in your local scene. Right. So we came up that way. We knew we got to get out of our house to get known. Right. To book, get book shows. People got to be able to see our faces. Yeah. And so we knew we had to go meet our peers, man. You know what? Adams, Adams family. Those are guys, man. Let's just go to New York one weekend. Yeah. What do we do? We got in the fucking van, all the weightless. We just drove up to fucking New York and just built with our people. Aesop and cryptic and, and all them and, and, and Alaska. Those relationships are still intact to this day. Yep. You know, they did the same. They said, you know what, man, these are guys. Let's drive to Columbus and play their release party. Yep. You know, we had cats in, in Minneapolis. Man, you know what? Let's go up there and play and, and hang out with them. They got this event going on. We didn't have to go. We went because you should be doing that to build your relationships with your peers. It shouldn't all be this long distance email, you know what I'm saying? Text message, whatever the fuck it is. Like, go be around your people. Yeah. And those relationships will be fruitful for decades to come. You know? Yeah. Most of the cats that we came up with, we are still in communication with. You know yes. what I'm saying? Like, even if we're not the best of friends and the closest of friends, like, yep. We still are in communication with cats. We, you know, check in here and there. Yep. You know what I'm saying? If we don't talk on a regular basis. And yep. it's all love because we all been through the same shit and we have those interpersonal relationships and those face-to-face meetings. Hello. Facts. Facts. So that's number seven. Number eight way to stop computers from ruining music is to play more live shows. Mm-hmm. This almost goes without being said, but... There's a lot of reasons why playing in live shows helps you uh, in this aspect. And number one is that when you start playing live shows, it teaches you how uh, little you can predict what's going to work. Right. Right. So like when you're in a studio when you're coming up with that little set list by yourself, I'm going to play this. Then I'm going to go into this. Then I'm going to do this. Then I'm going to play this. And then I'm, at the 20 minute mark, I'm going to do this. And then 30 minutes set. Perfect. You have it all mapped out. Mm-hmm. You get out there, your first song don't work. Mm-hmm. Your second song, which you thought you know was gonna work, don't work neither. Mm-hmm. Now you know, but you know your best shit is like four songs in. You you design your set so that it gets better over time, right? Playing live makes you realize that's bullshit. You oh, gotta yeah. get to, you gotta get to the fire shit fast. Yeah, you gotta start out fire. Yes, you don't you know build up. Nah, you don't build up. You start high. Yes. It, uh, the set is supposed to be more like a, you know, it's an up and down. Yes, yeah, a roller coaster movement. type joint. It's a roller coaster. You you got to yep. take the take the crowd somewhere. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Usually you start fire, mm-hmm. you know, and then probably two, three songs in, you do an album cut. Yes. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you got to earn the right to do the album cut. Right. You got to earn the right to do the album cut, you know, or do an acapella that they yes. never heard. You know what I'm saying? Or do a poem or, you know, whatever yes. you do. You know what I'm saying? Like you have to you have to work things out a little differently because live shows a, you know, if the shit ain't ain't fire starting out, cats going on a smoke break. You know yes. what I'm saying? Like yes. they going on a smoke break, they hitting the bar. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's it's not they not watching your set if you don't yeah. smoke fire. Uh, another thing too is like the perception of time changes when other people are in the room. Oh yeah, definitely. Right. So like I noticed this when it came to like the ends of songs. Mm-hmm. So like we would play songs live. I noticed this maybe in the early days of us, where you play the song and the, the last chorus plays, and then the, the beat just goes off for another minute. 
You know right. what I mean? It's just this yeah. awkward little thing where you're like, all right, song, the beat's just playing, and everybody's like, all right. Yeah. And it's like, yo, I, I realized, like, yo, what if I just got rid of all those moments? Yeah. Like, when I stop doing something vocally, that mm-hmm. song should be over. Yeah. That's something I would have never known had I not played a bunch of songs and saw that all these these awkward moments at the end of every fucking song can be removed. Yeah, that extra 30 seconds. Yeah. You know, of just the beat playing and fading out. Yeah. It's this is whack. Cause when you see a professional band do that shit, you mm-hmm. see a professional, they don't do that shit. They don't have them don't dead know. spots. No. Nope. Every transition is perfect. Yeah. The, and, unless there's a solo. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. But it's planned. They know, mm-hmm. like, okay, this soul is gonna hold this space right here. Yeah. And then we get out of that, we're gonna transition into this. You can tell the best performances by not by the songs they play, but how they move in between the songs they play. Facts. Those are the dopest live performers. The transitions. It's not just necessarily the songs. Um, but if you stick in the house and don't go out and play and turn this shit into math, you'll never learn those lessons for your music. Right. You'll be thinking that it's just like some math equation. You can just plug this in and plug this in and you get this response. And that's not true. Don't let those computers make you think that like they've got the human element figured out. They don't. And playing live humbles you every time you come up with a set list. And if you ain't paying attention, if you want them studio guys and you wonder why your beat sets don't work, you know what I'm saying? You, you go out there and you're like, damn, people don't be moving like I expected. Mm-hmm. Or and this guy, man, people be with it. What is he doing that I do? Start studying what he's doing. Mm-hmm. He's probably played a lot more than you, and he's probably flopped a lot more than you. So he knows. Yeah. Don't do this, this, and this. Get to the fire shit first. But you gotta mm-hmm. play. You gotta play first. See what songs work. See what doesn't work, and not rely on just like you sitting in the studio predicting it ahead of time behind your laptop. And even with playing live shows too, it it, it teaches you flexibility. Yes. You know, it teaches you how not to be so rigid with everything. It teaches you a little more freedom because there's been many a times where we seen how a night was going and we like, oh, we're not going to start with this song. We're going to start with this song. Facts. You know what I'm saying? Like we're going to move the set around, especially if you got a good DJ like we would have Groove or, yeah. you know, even having Prism. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like being able to say like, yo, we're going to do this, this and this instead of this, this and this and yeah. be able to change it on the fly because we understand how the room works because we've performed so many times. Yep. You know. Facts. Facts. But yeah, that's number eight. Okay, we'll take a break and we'll be right back. Work. Quick announcement. Over the years, we've frequently been asked by the listeners of our show if we would ever open up our platform to the public for advertising. We've always been interested in doing it, but in the past, we never had the systems in place to make it work properly. I'm proud to announce that we are now officially accepting advertising from the public on Super Duty Tough Work. Meaning, if you are a business owner or an artist and would like to create more awareness about your product, service, or release on our platform, we're now in a position to be able to do that. For more information, email us at superdutytoughwork at weightless.net. That's Super Duty Tough Work at Weightless.net. Tell us a little bit about who you are, what you would like to promote, and we'll get back to you as soon as possible about whether it's a good fit and go from there. Thanks for your time. Back to the show. We back, folks. Super Duty Tough Work. Blueprint. Logic. Doing the podcast thing you've been along with us on this journey we thank you you know hopefully if you're a creative person you're getting something out of this mm-hmm. this applies to many different creative endeavors not just music um, got like four more joints to go the number nine way to stop computers from ruining music is to own some outboard mm-hmm. you ain't gotta own a lot you, you ain't even got to be dependent upon it. But just as it is with instruments, touching that keyboard, there's something about fucking with a physical piece of outboard gear to, to, to either compress or alter or effects or whatever the fuck you use or preamp or whatever amp mm-hmm. that can really, really 
help you understand the concepts that the computer is trying to summarize and teach you. Right. And in many instances, you know, outboard gators is expensive. So people naturally now will go straight to BST versions of these things. I get it. But just like with the, it's like a BST keyboard or a MIDI keyboard. Don't hit like a real piano. Right. Uh, VST shit usually don't hit like the real outboard gear that it's designed to emulate. Yeah, like I um, I'm in Sidechain Society. It's a uh, it's a producer group um that Stolen Drums started. Yeah, and one of the things that I've noticed with him is that he's kind of transitioned from you know using MPC and you know 404 and those things. Yeah, his whole studio now is outboard gear. Yeah. He got mad organs. He got mad. You know, like. Um, even his, you know, his mixing board, all of that stuff. And he runs everything. And even the sound, you can hear the sound different. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Like he has, he, he start he plays the bass, he has drums. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like most of his stuff, he, he samples still, yeah. but he adds those extra elements and it allows the music to sound a lot more human, a lot more warm, you know, and it gives him a better understanding of what he wants to make on his own without a computer's assistance you know what i'm yeah. saying and it's really cool to watch like it's making me want to at least get like a you know mini moog or something yeah that i can have just to use mm-hmm. you know i am going to get me like some hand drums and shit like that yeah to have things that aren't in a box yes. to give things a little more natural sound and be able to create a little more on my own without utilizing technology completely for yeah my compositions yeah it is a different path you know once you start getting into the outboard gear and it, like you're saying, it opens the door for you to have a deeper understanding of shit. Mm-hmm. And sonically, it's like, you got to understand, yeah, these VSTs and plugins, they sound great, but they are all emulating what those hardware things are doing. Right. You know, like there, there's a reason that the records that were made 20, 30, 50 years ago, all outboard gear sound better than a lot of shit that's made today. You know, they just they just had dudes who knew their 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 craft and they could make that shit sound right. Now we got the technology, but we don't have the craftsmanship. Right. And learning those gear, those pieces of gear can really help you a lot. Yeah. So that's number nine. Number 10. And this is one that I've seen in a lot of YouTube videos, and I'm just going to put it out there. Number 10 way to stop computers from ruining music is to stop drawing chords mm-hmm. man i watched this video the other day it was like how to make a amazing soulful sample <laughs> mouse clicks all mouse clicks bruh my <laughs> man proceeds to draw in three chords that he's like this chord always goes after this chord and this chord always goes after this chord and they always sound good so mm-hmm. i'm gonna he draws in these Three notes. Oh, this is how you draw on your chord. You draw on your second chord. You draw on your third chord. Mm-hmm. I'm sitting there watching this shit like, what the fuck? But let me just keep watching. Maybe, mm-hmm. maybe he'll surprise me. Maybe this shit will come out sounding like some fucking, some shit that I would actually sample. Mm-hmm. By the time he finished drawing these chords in, then he takes fucking another 10 minutes to like change the velocities of them and try to make right. it sound normal. Natural. natural. Yeah. All this time, then 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 it gets to the bass part. He's like, okay, well now we're gonna add the bass line mm-hmm. since this is the root key. The bass note always goes here, and here, and here. Draws it in. Draws it in. Mouse clicks. Mouse clicks. <laughs> I'm sitting there like, is this what the fuck music has become? Mm-hmm. This is the epitome of the shit I fucking hate. Mm-hmm. This is what. By the time he get the shit done, it sounded trash. Mm-hmm. It didn't sound dope. It sounded like the same corny pop shit any motherfucker would make that no only a lazy motherfucker would sample mm-hmm. because he's just started making beats a month ago. Mm-hmm. I'm listening to shit. I'm like, number one, you got a fucking keyboard right there. Why you ain't playing this shit? Right. What's wrong At with your trying hands? to play it? Try to play, to play it. it and then move it. You know what I'm saying? Like you can play it and then adjust because yeah. that's what I usually do. Like I play yeah. shit. And then I adjust. You exactly. Know what you start playing and you just to make it to customize it. So right. you have the idea. Guys are not playing. And what they're missing 
is the fucking soul. There's no soul in this shit. Motherfuckers are making videos about how to make soul samples. Ain't got no fucking soul in this shit because they're doing it on some paint by numbers shit. Mm-hmm. I'm sitting there thinking like, and it made me realize like, yo, I don't do music like that. Nah. I don't do music like that. It, here's what I think. When I, when, I, when I have a, let's say you got a set of chords and you say, okay, I want to I wanna put a bass line there. Mm-hmm. This motherfucker thinks, okay, I got this chord. I got this E chord. I got this D chord and these chords. And this note goes here. It's the bass. This always goes with that chord. This note always goes. In this. I'm thinking, what would a bass player play? Mm-hmm. I'm not thinking what technically goes there. Right. I'm thinking, what the fuck? If somebody was sitting here on a fucking bass, mm-hmm. what's the funkiest shit they would do? Yeah. What's the nastiest bass line they would play to accentuate this shit and make it fire? Mm-hmm. You don't get that though when you just do this paint by numbers shit. Right. You don't you you don't draw in chords when you're thinking, what would a keyboardist play? Mm-hmm. How would he play these this this chord? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And be, and this whole drawing in chords and, and and mouse clicking shit in is fucking up the music, man. And I, and I hate to offend motherfuckers who do it all the time. I ain't saying you can't create nothing dope, but you should you shouldn't do that shit until you really, really, really have like a a a, a deeper connection with music, an instinctual connection with music, to where you can sit at that keyboard and get what the fuck you want, or get close enough to it. Because what happens is guys just draw the shit in, and then they oh he draws them in, and somebody else is just they study music theory just to get these chord combinations. Mm-hmm. This chord always go with that. This go with that, and so they make music that sounds the same. Yeah, your chords sound like their chords. Yeah, your composition sounds like theirs because you all are copying the same bullshit. None of you have like an instinctual spiritual connection with music. Mm-hmm. To you, it's just math. Yeah, and we can complain about the music industry or commercial music or all that shit, but we as producers have to do better. You, if you don't play those chords or touch that instrument, that keyboard that's right in front of you, you're not built. You're, you're not building these neural connections, these associations that with these sounds in your hands that can be built upon for later on things. You're actually mm-hmm. stopping that process. Yeah, you're cutting your growth because there ain't no mouse clicking jam session. <laughs> All right, you know what I mean. Ain't no band gonna sit there and have no time for you to click in these goddamn chords mm-hmm. this chord always goes with that sorry guys i know you guys are going down that road we always have to play e flat here mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what i mean it's like motherfuckers are always just like thinking in these fucking boxes it's not music it's mad this bullshit and these these apps and these people out here promoting that shit their shit sounds like trash they're even when they try to do breakdown, I see somebody doing a breakdown of, of, of Frank Duke's thing. They're like, this is how Frank Duke's makes the amazing samples. Drawing in, clicking in chords. Mm-hmm. Drawing in, fucking uh, clicking in samples, uh, uh, notes, click, click, click. Then he does this, click, click, click. And then we move it here. And then meanwhile, I watch an a, a, a interview with him. He's like, man, I just pick up the guitar and play a, a whatever sounds. Yeah. Then I add another one. Mm-hmm. Then I just try to make good decisions. I, I know music theory, but I don't really trip. I just try to play what the fuck sounds interesting. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, the people who think that they can explain what the fuck he's doing are doing it like it's math and doing the opposite of what the fuck he's doing. Tell him why you mad, Print. I'm mad. <laughs> <laughs> this shit gets me My tight. Man's going off. You see, this shit gets me tight, man. <laughs> I can't take this shit. This is the shit. I'm just like, and I listen to the shit. I wouldn't care if the shit sounded fire. Like, and by fire, I say, if your goal is to make a sample, right, that someone would sample that sounds like that shit, mm-hmm. that if I, it should, it, the, the, if, if I don't feel like if I dropped the needle on that shit, if I wouldn't want to sample, then that's, I failed. I want it to sound like the shit that if you drop a needle on it or you randomly heard, you'd be like, what the fuck is that? I need to sample. Yes. If you're not doing that, you fucking failed. The goal is just not to make three fucking chords and sell a sample. Mm-hmm. To fools who don't know how to make beats, but that's what this shit is turning into. It's like people are skipping the step where you actually gotta make the dopest, fireest shit, and they're just doing it for a quick little paycheck. Yeah, it's whack. There's no fun. There's and and there's no feeling in it. No, you know, like you can feel 
when something is too structured. You know, when you don't play, you don't have those little mistakes that make things sound yeah. human. You don't have, you know, that extra hold on a chord. You know, you don't right. have that chord sustaining for a little longer mm-hmm. than maybe it should, but it gives it this interesting yeah. movement. You know what I mean? Right. Like when you, you know, even with bass lines, usually if I'm playing, I will, I'll have my chords or whatever I'm playing and I'll just, okay, I know where the root note is, but I'm just going to play some yeah. bass notes and see what sounds good. It might yeah. not be completely in key. Yeah. But if it sounds dope yeah. and it feels good, I'm leaving that shit in there. Yeah. Because that's what feels good. That's what sounds good to me right now. And it's not yeah. going to be perfect. It's not going to be on the scale right where it should be. Yeah. But if, if it feels good and sounds good, usually I'm letting that shit ride. Yeah, dude. Yeah, like I don't need, and it's, and it's the thing to me too, like before I even play a bass note to go with some chords, I'll just walk around humming to it. I'll just, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like vocally, I'm like, what? I'm singing the bass mm-hmm. where I think it should go before I even touch a chord. Mm-hmm. What sound? What would sound nasty here? And I'm imagining, I'm hearing things. I'm, I'm, I'm singing along. I'm vibing to this shit. Oh, that's where it needs to go. Now I can sit down. I'm not sitting there like, because I know what fucking note goes with that fucking chord. Right, right. That's the easy fucking part. Mm-hmm. Anybody can play that fucking one note that goes with the fucking three notes that already sound good. Okay. Bling. Anybody can do that shit. Mm-hmm. But that's not what a bass player would do. Right. And if you don't ask these questions, what would, if you play an instrument, the main thing you'd ask, what would somebody who knows how to play this do? No. <laughs> if you can't get that, if it don't sound like that, then you fucking up. Mm-hmm. Not technically what would a music theory teacher tell me to play here. It's not it. In rant. Number 11. Speed kills. And this I'm talking about velocity. One of the biggest problems I noticed with a lot of producers and the problem with technology is, like I said, they're drawing things in. They're clicking in chords or clicking in bass lines. They're not really touching the instrument. When you Mm -hmm. touch the instrument, your hands give you a natural control over the velocity. Right. The velocity controls volumes mm-hmm. your volumes control your voicing mm-hmm. your voicing makes it you right what i be hearing from dudes who uh shit sounds too computerized and not human everything is at the same yeah everything at the same volume all the voicing every every instrument in that every note in that chord is at the same level mm-hmm. and it comes out certain parts where i notice it so for example i notice it like when guys program like voices mm-hmm. they have some singing they don't program the singers like singing one thing mm-hmm. they do that i peeped they don't they don't account for singers taking breaths right they just had a velocity ah! <laughs> it's just like when do they breathe mm-hmm. a singer doesn't do that a singer sings a note and it kind of goes down a little bit in volume as it goes then they they stop right before the end of the the, the bar and they go again, you know what I mean? And sometimes, you know, it's like it's a human experience, but that's not there because these guys don't understand velocity. So they have these, they're programming these instruments with no fucking changes. Mm-hmm. It sounds like a computer programmed shit. Yeah. Not like an old soul record would sound or an old gospel record would sound or a choir would sing it. And, and it sounds, it's, it's fucked up. Mm-hmm. But if you don't understand velocity, and the same thing applies to drum programming. Mm-hmm. You know the difference between if you got if you got some hi hats going on that fucking eighth note, you know the you know how funky sound if you just start fucking with the volumes and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one up here on 120, one on like 60, next one maybe mm-hmm. 80, yeah, back to 35, so you can barely hear it. Or you can do the same thing with side side uh, chain compression. Mm-hmm. However, you achieve it, you want to fuck with the velocity, which fucks with the volumes of some of these instruments. Same thing with ba- every instrument. When you watch a band play, they don't all play at the exact same fucking volume all the time. Loud. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It ain't all. No, there's a there's a smooth uh, gentleness that that goes all their transitions. The volume gradually goes up. It goes down. Sometimes they're together. Something's in a pocket. Something may come to the forefront at the end of the ball. You never know. But the velocity thing fucks up a lot of uh, 
beats because it makes it sound too computery. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's another rant. <laughs> yeah. Velocity is very important. I, I really didn't start messing with velocity until I, um, till when I start when I made autopilot, that's when I yeah. really started messing with velocity because I wanted things to sound cool. And, you know, yeah. when I'm, when I started making my own drum breaks, yeah, listening to old drum breaks, it's like, okay, the snare isn't the same volume. Every exactly. Time it hits. Exactly. You know, like you were saying, the hi-hats aren't the same volume every time they hit. Sometimes yeah. their spaces. Yep. You know what I'm saying? In between where the hi-hats go and maybe it ain't every eighth note. Maybe it's yep. every three eighth notes and then there's a break and then there's movement yep. here. And, you know, just understanding all that kind of stuff really allows, you know, there to be some more groove and yes. more swing and movement, especially in your drums. Yes. Yes. I agree. I agree. Last joint. It's the bonus joint. It's only the bonus joint because we spoke about this before. Mm-hmm. And it's a bonus joint, so we ain't going to go too deep in it, but it's less quantization. Yeah. The more you quantize, now certain genres, you might need it. You're doing some four on the floor dance shit. Right. Drums better be sticking on some. You can't have sloppy drums yeah. on four on the floor. Like, boom, 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 nah, that shit needs to be like that. It ain't going to be no boom, boom, Right. Nah. Ain't nobody dancing to that shit. Right. So, but this shit, less quantization. That means like, Use the grid like we've talked about before. I use the grid only when I'm pro when I'm doing my shit in piano, mm-hmm. the demo of whatever I'm making, and that's just so I know I got everything where I needed to be. And then when I start figuring out what instruments is gonna play, that's when I start moving shit around, customizing and getting my swing together. But you should still be very careful with quantization because you can't. It's hard to make it sound human because when you listen to a recording, that shit ain't quantized. Guys are just playing off each other and they got a natural fucking pocket mm-hmm. that computers cannot do by themselves. Yeah. And you can't program if you ain't paid no attention to it. Right. So that's it. Yes, sir. That's it for this week. Let me read these back. How to stop computers from ruining music. Number one, learn an instrument. Number two, jam sessions. Number three, leave the mistakes in. Number four, be in a band, playing a band. Number five, customize your settings. Number six, call before emailing your peers or just prioritize calling somebody at some point. I'll call with your people. Number seven, meet your peers in public. Number eight, play live shows. Get out your bedroom, dog. Number nine, own some outboard gear. Number 10, stop drawing chords. Don't get me started. (laughs) Number 11, speed kills. Understand master velocity. And then the bonus joint, less quantization, which we have went in for some saves breath on that. And uh that's it for this week. Hope y'all got something out of this. Uh you know, see y'all next week. Peace. Peace. Thank you for listening to Super Duty Tough Work. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Follow the podcast on SoundCloud. Peace. Shoot, I got styles already that's more complex that nobody know about. I mean, super duty tough work. Huh?